You are listening to Holy Words from Holy Cross, the sermon podcast of Holy Cross Evangelical Lutheran Church in Nazareth, Pennsylvania. We hope you find these words a blessing in your daily walk with God. Please visit us on the web at www.holycrossnazareth.org or in person at 696 Johnson Road, Nazareth, Pennsylvania. Be thou my vision, O Lord of my heart. Don't be all else to me, save that thou art. Would you join me for a word of prayer? Blessed Lord, we begin our 40-day journey with you. When you fasted in the wilderness for 40 days, you battled and triumphed over Satan. Grant us in the 40 days ahead so to journey with you that you may win the victory through us over the things in our lives that oppress us. And as we come here, feed us by your own self that we may be sustained in our journey. Feed us now by your word and also by your body and blood. We ask it in your holy name, for you live and reign with the Father and the Holy Spirit, one Lord now and forever. Amen. Lent is an interesting time. Um, Doing research right now, or writing actually, finally done researching, writing my, my doctoral work. And one of the things I'm writing, uh, one of the things I quoted recently was from a 1948 article in Time magazine where people largely didn't recognize if someone was walking around the streets of Brooklyn with this little smudge on their head. And someone says, Mommy, what's wrong with them? And she says, I think it's something they do in church. Don't point. That was 1948, folks, three years after the World War II ended. (laughs) Increasingly, Lent is a strange thing. It's out of step with our culture. It's out of step even with our church culture. At one of my previous congregations, I had a member who hated Lent. And I mean hated it. Pastor, why do we got to sing all these depressing songs for six weeks? It's always so miserable. I come to church to be made happy. He actually, um, he, he gave us a, a, what do you call those, a survey. Like, it's what Survey Monkey is like, was like back in the day. He handed us one of these where everybody could rate how good they were feeling coming out of church. But we don't come to church to feel good. Or we shouldn't. Sometimes we do. Sometimes I feel great coming out of church. Sometimes I feel like the Lord gave me a talking to And I'm the one preaching. We come to church to encounter the one who is the way, the truth, and the life. To encounter him through his word, which the power of the Holy Spirit quickens in us and brings to life. To encounter him at the altar where he has promised to pour himself out and give himself to us. And if we encounter the one who is the truth. We cannot expect him to lie to us even to make us feel good. And so we come once a year and hear the dread words of judgment. You are dust and to dust you shall return. 
the words first addressed to Adam and now addressed to his progeny. We are dust because of sin. The Bible says that through one man, sin entered the world, and through sin, death. In the perspective of the Bible, death is the fruit of sin grown to full flower. Because none of us is without sin, all of us participate in that same judgment leveled at Adam. But as I said at the beginning of the service, we receive that judgment, the judgment of our God, even in the sign of a promise. Cain was marked after he murdered his brother, but that mark protected him even though he was under God's judgment. And so we receive the mark of our mortality in the sign of a cross. The sign of our hope. Now, as a pastor, you're always looking for the sermon example that will help people remember on Tuesday what you said on Sunday. Or in this case, on Friday, what I said on Wednesday. <laughs> My wife was just talking about some of her favorite sermons the other day that, I, that I've preached over the years. She said, you remember that one you preached from the top of a ladder? You ought to do that one again. That was like 15 years ago. <laughs> I've used magnifying glasses and showed people how like a a pinhole camera works. I've used all different kinds of things trying to make something I said register and stick. And so as I think about the fruit of sin in our lives, I was thinking about the word sin and these, these six weeks out of the year that we focus on our sinfulness and seek to turn afresh toward our God in repentance... And I remembered, I reminded, excuse me, my, my friend from the other church that I said, you realize that only represents about 12% of the weeks of the year. It's not too much to think about why we need God. <laughs> As I was thinking about that word sin, both in the Hebrew and in the Greek, it means to miss the mark, which sounds pretty innocuous. In fact, in Greek, the word is hamartia, and it's an archery term applied into the spiritual life. And I, I, I have a bow and arrow. Um, I've practiced. And so part of my brain thought, wouldn't it be great to bring my bow and arrow to church and I'll demonstrate what it means to miss the mark. And it's amazing what you can imagine when you think of those things because then I started to think about um, my actual archery practice out behind my house in Stroudsburg when we lived back there. And I started with 20 arrows from a Dunkel Burgers. I have three. <laughs> 17 of them missed the mark such that I couldn't even find them in the woods behind the target. <laughs> and I thought about doing that in here today and the most amazing things go through your mind. I thought to myself, if I miss the target just a little bit, which is what I usually did, I didn't miss wildly. I wasn't a terrible shot. But just a glancing blow and that arrow went the wrong direction. I thought, what if I glancing blow in here and it not only embeds itself in the wall, but what if it bounces off these hard walls and hits someone in the room? Or what if it embeds itself in the wall and, well... Rich meets me at the back of the church and says, Pastor, we'd like, to, we'd like to talk with you about your sermon and could you bring everything in your desk with you? 
to miss the mark. We think, of, we think to ourselves, how close did I get to the bullseye? I always think about the squirrels and the birds that were behind my little target. And I think to myself, if I hit one of them by accident, my miss would not have been a minor thing for them. Every time we miss the target, even by a little, it's like throwing a pebble into a pond and the waves spread. Or like coming to a crossroads and you take one side rather than the other and everything down the other side means our choices you'll never get to make again. See, we don't know what God's A plan is for our lives because by the time we get here and are old enough to understand the sermon, we're not just on plan B or C or D. We're on plan AAA or quadruple Z. And every one of our mistakes, every one of our missing of the mark of what God intended for our lives has had a negative effect on us and on everyone around us. And so we come here to hear that truth spoken from the voice in the mouth of one who cannot lie. But with that truth, we hear another deeper truth. The truth that we are not only under God's judgment, but that in spite of the judgment He has against us, God so loved the world that He gave His only Son that whoever believes in Him may not perish, but have eternal life. One, the Son of God, lived from conception to death without sin. And because He tasted death in spite of that, in spite of the fact that he was not death's lawful prey, he could purchase for us release from the judgment under which we stand. He was God's ransom for the sake of his love for us, for the sake of his lost children. If you're like me, it's easier to think about your own death than it is about the death of a loved one. The words, you are dust and to dust you shall return, never had as much meaning for me as the time I dipped my hand in that little pot and made the sign of the cross on my infant son's forehead. And I thought to myself, I wouldn't trade him for a bunch of people who are in rebellion against me, some of whom hate me. And I started to have just a taste, just an inkling of what the love of the Father for us is. That is why we return to the Lord our God, who is gracious and merciful, abounding in steadfast love, not because we're so terrified of Him, but because He loves us so much and has demonstrated that love through His own sacrifice. We trust in our Savior Jesus because He has made that sacrifice out of His great love for us. And while... To repent simply means to turn around, to turn back from whatever bad choices we have made or are making to the living God who alone can give us life. For these six weeks, we spend a little time being more intentional about that. 
doing all the things Jesus talked about in our gospel reading, praying, fasting, giving alms, but most especially keeping our eyes upon God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. This Lenten season, we will learn to live from our rest in Him so that we might not chase after righteousness, thinking we can get there in our own efforts, but rather live from the righteousness He freely gives to us in Jesus Christ. Would you join me for a word of prayer? Lord, we begin our time together with confession based on your law. If we think about all the ramifications of those Ten Commandments, we can each think of multiple ways we've broken all of them. Those laws remind us of our need for you. And so we do in dust turn to you. And there we find you lifting us up, welcoming us into your loving arms. Bless us in our Lenten devotions, whatever they be, whatever it is we struggle with, whatever we've brought to this room, whatever sin besets us, whatever challenges outside or inside are ours. Help us to trust you, to lean into the promise of your love for us, and to be fortified by your spirit and word. To wage better battle against those sins and to win the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. It is in his name we pray. Amen. Be thou my vision, O Lord of my heart. Not be all else to me, save that thou art. Be thou my best thought in the day and the Keep your sleeping, thy presence, my light.